Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so honored today because I have Matthew with me. Matthew has a story that starts back in high school as a star athlete, but his love for sports was stopped by a near fatal car accident. He transferred his passion for sports into a love for technology and entrepreneurship. He started his first business with no experience and just a few short years grew to become one of the biggest influencers in the construction technology industry, working on helping firms around the world integrate a new third technology into their construction and engineering projects, and has a focus on the future of physical and digital realities. Thank you so much for being here today, Matthew. Of course, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's a complete pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to dive into your entrepreneurial journey. I know there, what I just said too about the accident and that kind of changed everything, but if you could kind of walk us through what got you here today. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it, my story is probably a story that could be, uh, 12 minutes or four hours. So <laughs> I'll try to, I'll, I'll go through it, you know, a little based on kind of the outline you did, I'll, I'll hit those um, with a little bit more detail. Yeah. So, you know, um, growing up, my passion was really in sports. Like I, when I first got into sports as a kid, I don't know, maybe I was 10, eight, 10, something like that. I, I started playing baseball. Then I got into football and it was kind of one sport after the other. And I enjoyed it so much because it was, it was the first time, you know, at a young age, you had something that you could do. And the more effort you put in, the better you were at it. And you were recognized for your achievements. And, and I, I ended up just loving competition and working as hard as I could. And sports was kind of that, that first experience as a kid where you see the benefits of teamwork as well. So you have something that you can work hard at, you can be recognized for, you can, you can win, you can do something, you know, that has a result. And I think sports is important at that age because of that other aspect, the, you start recognizing that there's different roles, there's different leadership positions, um, you're getting coached, there's, you're, you're being guided by people with experience. And then even from the teamwork aspect of, of sports, um, you know, there's, there is all the different roles. Everybody wants, you know, everybody knows Tom Brady. Everyone knows the quarterback, you know, there are roles that get more recognition, but at the same time, you can't play a sport if you don't also have the positions that don't get the recognition, you know, those guys, there's, there's the guys on the line in a football team. That's, that's protecting the quarterback. If one of those guys doesn't do their job, the quarterback gets sacked and you know, the game, they're going to lose the game. So you start realizing that teamwork is so important and every position is so important. And, and uh, you know, like I mentioned in my story, the, you know, I, I ended up doing sports for all the way up into high school. And I was in my, um, I think it was my junior year. I was 16 and had a head-on collision car accident. And that completely took away my ability to play sports. I, um, 
you know, I was stuck in my car. I ended up having jaws of life extraction, airlifted to a hospital, 13 surgeries, uh, was in a wheelchair crutches. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything again for, for a couple of years. Um, so the rest of high school sports were gone, you know, had to watch from the sideline and that was, you know, when, when sports had become the one thing I wanted to do, losing the ability to, to do that was like, well, shoot, now what? <laughs> yeah. What do you do now? You know, you lost the one thing that you spent all your time doing that you love doing. You thought you were going to keep doing. It's the only thing you, you did. So losing that, you know, caused some downtime of like, I would say there was depression. There was, I was still, you know, younger. I got, I, I couldn't, I had, I couldn't do physical things. So I got addicted to playing video games. I was just stuck at a screen. I ended up rolling into, you know, I played music for a little while, but, um, you know, it also was around the time of the 2008 issue financially. And so I ended up just having to get a job at that point. You know, I was, I was 18, you know, and I ended up getting a job in land surveying. Um, and that's what my dad grew up in. And I still wasn't really excited about that. It really was just the moment of, okay, it's time to be an adult. I have to start making an income. I start, have to start covering my own finances. And, and so I got into that job, but I was not passionate about it. I didn't really, I wasn't excited about what I was doing. Um, but at some point there was a new technology that we got introduced to while I was working there. And it was, it was this technology called laser scanning where we take <laughs> these devices and we create 3d environments of buildings. And, and so it was now something that I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm younger, I'm into games, I'm into these 3D virtual environments. And now this is a job that I can actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think looking back, what I realize now is like, when you find something that you can enjoy doing mm -hmm. and you can put the passion that you have into your work, I think that is the game changer of where you can actually build a career. Um, you know, I think there's, I think everybody has something they're passionate about. Yeah. And most people are in jobs that they don't like. Mm -hmm. That's very true. <laughs> a lot of people just get, get a, a job because it's like, oh, that's just what we do. You know, mm -hmm. we go to college, we get a degree. Most, most people get a degree and then do a job that they don't even have their degree in. And they just, yep. they kind of just end up down a path. And what I've gotten excited about is when I learned to put the passion that I have and the desire to do something great that I used to have for sports, now into this technology, I went from a employee who was sitting behind a desk making $13 an hour who wanted to show up late, get off early, get paid as much as I could do as little work as possible. Like I was, that's mo that is many, many, many people. Yeah. When I found that this, this job that I enjoyed, I completely made a transition of, I was like, wow, I'm excited to work. I'm excited to like learn about this technology and I'm out, like I'm researching it on my own. I'm showing up early. So I get to play with it and like trial things. And, and that completely transitioned in just a couple short years to, um, my attitude at work was getting better. Clients were recognizing that I was, I was moving along really quickly in developing how to use the technology. 
Um, so it really took me from, I could have stayed on that other path of just kind of the normal, not really moving anywhere, just getting a long position. Mm-hmm. Instead, I did what I like to say as I became an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I, at another company, mm-hmm. I became an entrepreneur within the company. I was being so proactive in developing our technology and how we were going to use it. And, you know, looking at, looking at what type of clients could use our service and actually starting to do business development, starting to land projects for the company. Mm -hmm. It really started launching from there. Um, And over the, you know, over the next couple of years from that point, um, I ended up getting hired by a really large company to come in as a manager at, you know, I, again, I went from making $13 an hour to a six figure salary in a management position at a corporate company because of that, because of the implementation of passion and becoming excited about work and driving forward. Um, and so, so that's what I've really been excited about is seeing that anybody could do that. Um, most people, they, they want something successful to happen. They want to, you know, everybody likes the idea of, oh, I want to invent the next Facebook. I want, I, I want the money mm-hmm. that comes from that. But at the same yeah. time, they then go to work and they're like, oh, I just got to, oh, it's Monday again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, you know, I, yeah. I have to put my eight hours in and then I'll, we'll go to the movies or something. And you have to realize like in order to build something great or to see your career path change, your mindset has to change. And you have to, you have to change yeah. for your circumstance to actually change. Um, you know, and so when I, when I started um, in that large corporate company, I was super excited because I was like, man, my first time making a big salary and I'm a manager and this company is huge. However, that actually only lasted 10 months and it was my choice. They were really sad when I left, but I became so, again, so passionate about what I was doing. I wanted to move quick. I wanted to make decisions. I wanted to be able to act, you know, respond to my clients fast and travel and, and large companies, just like the government or going into the DMV. It's like, there are certain processes that are super slow Mm -hmm. and super difficult at big companies. So my actual step into entrepreneurship instead Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship in a company Mm -hmm. I was 24 years old and I had two kids already and I had no business experience. I'd I'd never taken a class. I didn't go to college. I had on the job experience. Mm -hmm. But what I knew at that time was I was really passionate about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I knew how to perform the work. I had, I had been doing a lot of networking and building relationships and customer service was something else that I really put a lot of attention into and still do to this day of you answer the phone when they call, it doesn't matter what time it is. And I know a lot of people have um, limitations, you know, of of like, no, I'm going to shut my phone off at this time or this time or, but when you're in an, when you're in that role of starting a business, you have to be willing to be more flexible. Um, So at that time, again, 24, two kids, no business experience, no capital, no anything. I literally just got so done with the corporate world of the headaches and the red tape and all this stuff that it was within a one week time span that it went from an idea to, I turned in my resignation and I quit. And I was like, well, 
I'm, I'm just going to try this on my own because Mm -hmm. I I'm already doing all the work and building the relationships and performing the services. I think I could do this better on my own. Mm -hmm. And my initial reason for doing it also was not about making more money. It was Mm -hmm. about the flexibility. It was about the fact that I really, I honestly felt that I could help more companies faster, cheaper, easier, more flexibility. That was my initial reason for starting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was six years ago. Um, it was in 2016. And it's been quite a journey um, learning because of having no experience and not knowing what I was doing. You know, year one, you know, moving into year two and purchasing some gear, making my first two hires of employees. And, um, you know, you start to learn a lot about, oh, we need workers' mm-hmm. comp insurance, and oh, payroll happens every two weeks. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's so many things. things to learn. Um, but looking back, I would never, I, I did regret zero decisions. Mm-hmm. It was the best move that I had ever made. Um, and at this point, you know, we've got a company of 20 employees, and we've got multiple brands that we're building. Um you know, we, I host a podcast, we have our own in-person conference, and we're working with major companies around the world, trying to help them learn about all these new technologies and how to use them in construction and improve design processes, ultimately increasing job site safety and reducing their cost. And so I'm, I've become very passionate about the technology and why we're pushing it, um, as well as building community around it. Um, and that kind of brings us to where we are today. Um, we're still we're still moving forward, expanding, um, learning as we go. There's always challenges in small business and entrepreneurship, but um, mm-hmm. the thing that the thing that I really uh, I think look at is you can always figure it out. And if you don't have the answers, somebody else does. And so that's something again that I think goes all the way back to the sports piece that I've even learned in the last couple of years of business is looking at the fact that you have to, as you grow and scale, you have to, you have to be willing to put people in the team positions mm-hmm. to help handle different aspects. Because as a initial entrepreneur, you're the janitor, you're the banker, you're the financer, you're the, you're doing everything and you can make that work. But in order to grow a business, you have to start filling those team positions and letting other people do their jobs and really figure out what is it that you're good at and what is it that you have to do? And then what can you outsource either internally to an employee or collaborate with other companies? Um, so again, I think these are all learning steps, but uh, you know, it's, a, it's been a, a fun journey. What an amazing journey, honestly, taking that leap because it started, of course, with the car accident of really shifting things, but really leaning into your passion. Because like you said, a lot of people go to school, they get a good job or financially and they're like, all right, they're kind of coasting like this is maintaining, but and maybe not love what they do. But when we bring our passion into what we're doing, it changes everything, just like it changed for you, like your dynamic and how you were showing up day in, day out for your clients. And people started to notice that and just constantly growing. And that fast pace was because you were so aligned with what you were doing too, and like on the right path for you. And I think it speaks volumes of when we love what we do, it does show up in our energy and everything. 
across the board. But I love that you realize too, like, especially when you start a business, it's usually your everything, right? Like what Mm -hmm. you were saying, you are everything, but being able to bring in a team and being able to hire people that their wheelhouse is certain things and being able to really delegate that. So I'm curious, as you started to bring on the first two employees and started to grow to 20 now, were there any roadblocks of like hiring or that process for you or delegating. I'm just curious because I'm sure people might have a little hard time with that because it's like (laughs) our baby. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, there's definitely challenges. Um, Mm -hmm. one is when you, when you're growing a business, you kind of have the option of, okay, if I am going to scale outside of myself, when it's just you, you have, you have to just worry about your business affording you, (laughs) you have to make enough to cover yourself and you may make more the first month. You may make less the second month, but if it balances out as an individual, that's more manageable. As soon as you start adding people, they are not on that same note of like, Oh, I don't mind if I don't make money this month. You know, Mm -hmm. they aren't, they aren't the entrepreneur. They're like, okay, I kind of need a steady income. Um, that I think is the first step. Um, and the first difficult one to learn is like, okay, at what point am I ready to bring on someone? And the options you have are like, you know, you wait until you save up enough to have enough in the bank to know that you're going to cover X amount of months or, um, and you look at, okay, do I have the volume of work to implement that first employee and keep them busy? Um, and you can either do that organically and you save yourself or some people try to go out and get, you know funding, uh, small business loans or lines of credit, or, um, I would say looking back, that was definitely an area that I didn't know much about. And Mm -hmm. I moved really quick. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I just started hiring. I was getting a lot of work. So thankfully we kind of had enough revenue to just kind of grow with it. Um, but I think, I think if I was to look back and say, Hey, if you started over, what decisions would you have made? Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really save up and have a good, comfortable amount to then, you know, scale easily. Um, mm-hmm. So we, you know, we hit financial issues where we hire three people, but then we also find, oh, some clients take longer to pay. We have to float this income and revenue for a while. Um, so I think that, you know, and even though I say I would go back and save more, it did work. Um mm-hmm. But I think that it would be a little bit safer and maybe certain decisions we could have made sooner if we had been um, a little more knowledgeable in the in the management of finances early on. I mean, that makes sense. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know until nope. you do it. <laughs> yep. And, if we uh, did, that would make life easier, right? <laughs> yeah. And the other, I think the other thing looking back at those first years or the early years is it's a lot better to learn those early on and make some early mistakes when it's, you know, your first couple employees and the actual overhead is lower. Um, you know, because when you, if you try to learn mistakes, when you have 20 employees or 50 employees and your pay, you know, your monthly expenses are very, very, very big, um, comparative to where they were when you first started, those mistakes hurt a lot more. Um, so learning mistakes early, I think is, is perfect. Um, and you know, I, I love talking about, and you know, everybody in the entrepreneurship world talks about failure or mm-hmm. failure is only failure if you don't learn from it. Yes. So if you, you have to be willing to fail because you're going to in yeah. many areas, <laughs> oh. you have to go in 
as an entrepreneur, you have to know that failure is an ingredient to building a business mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to be prepared for that. And when it comes, mm -hmm. take it and not let it crush you, but you have to take it and go, okay, how do we, what do we do about this? What, mm -hmm. what's the step forward? Do we go this way? Do we go that way? Do we get help? Can, are we good? <laughs> how, what did we learn? How do we, how do we put something in place to maybe avoid it? from happening again um, mm -hmm. or reduce the likelihood. And that's, okay. that is a game forever. I think in, in learning and building and growing is that is going to consistently be the mindset you have to have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it goes back to like understanding that failure is that ingredient in entrepreneurship because you're not going to get it on the first time. Maybe you might for one thing, but it's constant like learning and going and understanding too what's underneath that or being able to have that new information from that like lesson to apply it to the next thing and yeah. being able to, you're not starting from scratch as well. Like you're understanding, okay, this didn't work. Let's try this. Let's tweak something here. But, and that's what it yeah. sounds like. I'm curious, the digital realities that you work in too, I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error. What has that looked like in your process of working with clients? Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah, that is, um, that is the life we live in. <laughs> because all of these technologies that we're using are very new. Some of them have, have come out five years ago, some like this year, um, mm -hmm. you know, using drones and mapping job sites and doing 3D modeling and trying to push it in virtual reality to help an engineer learn how to visualize a job site. All Everything we do is built around new technologies, new processes, and how they improve basically buildings and construction and all of that. Um, so we have to know, I think it goes back to internally, we have to know that we're going to fail. We have mm -hmm. to put the upfront time in of saying, okay, let's spend some of our own time failing a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> so that we know how it works, how mm -hmm. we implement these processes. We have to ask questions and, and understand how our clients will use it so that we can kind of pre-run and figure out these processes so that when we do go to work with a client, we already know how to implement it and it's, and it's less likely to have roadblocks. But very much when you're working in a new technology or a new industry, um, I think it just means that there's a lot more internal R&D and processes to work through because it's not like, you know, if, if we were to start a bookkeeping business you know, mm -hmm. or something that like, that is a standard thing. It's a standard process. We could just know, Hey, this is how you do it. There's an accountant X, Y, Z. When you're doing, when you're doing a business or a new venture, that's kind of a new idea or something. There's, there's way more, um, R and D and kind of mindset you have to put into figuring out and building processes. True. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it. So could you walk us through what it looks like um, for your clients, when you are working with them on the projects and different things that you do, um, maybe a success story or two. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the basic uh, explanations of like, um, we, we do a lot of different things and some of them are very technical and maybe hard to explain, <laughs> but um, one of our main services and the reasons we do it. So when there's an existing building or facility yeah. and somebody wants to uh, renovate an existing building. It starts with an architect and an engineer. And in order for them to design the renovation work, they need to know what already exists on site. Mm -hmm. 
And so the technologies that we use called laser scanning, it's, you can almost picture it like we go out to the job site with a really high-end camera, mm -hmm. but our camera also has lasers in it that measure. So we, we go out to that building and take all of these 3D scans and measurements and photography, and we pull it back into the computer and it creates a digital replica of that physical building. Mm -hmm. And that way the owner, the architect, all these people can open up a digital model of their building to do all their planning and design and things like that. Um, so we, we go out and that helps them because without our technology, they have to go out there for a lot longer. They have to have tape measures and they're trying to measure walls and windows and doors. And, you know, it's a lot easier to come back and have this full digital replica of the building than go out there and try to do all these manual measurements. Um, so that's one of our, that's kind of one of our uh, most used services. I, I believe it. And that's really important too, because you like having tape measures and all that stuff, it could get really tricky. But if yep. you have something that's super easy and concrete of, this is what it looks like. These are the numbers. This is what we need in order to have an effective building, especially like construction. You yep. have to be exact, yep. especially if you have the engineer and the architecture and everything like that. Um, I think that's super important to recognize as well. So I'm curious, if you were to look back on your journey thus far of entrepreneurship, what has been two or three things that you wish you would have known back then that you know now? Mm, that is a good question. Um, I think the... I think the first thing that pops in my mind would be the value of social media. Mm -hmm. I, I thankfully did start to understand that early on when I was, when I was stepping into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. I, as I was traveling around to business conferences, I would, I would meet new people. I would save their business card and then I would connect with them on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn became my tool that I was like, okay, I really think I can use this as a platform to stay connected with old contacts as well as search for new ones. And I started using LinkedIn really heavily as I was pushing into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, I wish I did that a long time even before then mm -hmm. um, because LinkedIn has become one of my main drivers for business. Yeah. Um, so I think you, and you hear a lot of people on social media, like Gary Vaynerchuk is somebody I, I follow or like as well. You, you hear them talk about the value of, of educating and the value of being on the internet and sharing what you do and educating and helping others and building a community. And the more that I've gone on in business, the more benefit I realize and see out of that. Um, and I think most people still don't fully see that. Um, and I think they, they are underutilizing the platforms that exist. So that would be one, one thing I would recommend to people. Um, or if I was to go back and change it is like, take the time while you have it. Even if you think, you, you know, if you're working now and you haven't started a business yet, start using it now, start getting on and connecting and building a network of, of your ideal uh, industry that you're going to work in. Because then when you do take that leap, you kind of have a community already. Right. So that would be, that would be number one. Mm -hmm. um, number two, I probably would do a little bit more research and kind of planning than I did. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Obviously I jumped, I made it work. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I do think that there is value in learning. If you are going to start a business, 
-hmm. taking some more time to dig in and learn about the processes of, okay, what is it going to look like when I do hire an employee and what processes do I need and what insurances and how do I, how am I going to roll in what I think the expenses of that is going to be into how much I'm going to pay the person and how much I have to charge the client. And you really do have to build out and understand those financials in order to not hit some of the early headaches where you learn those the hard way. Yeah. Those would be a couple of them. (laughs) Those are really good ones (laughs) because you're right. It's that connecting, networking, being able to build a community around you because you never know who you could help, but somebody could help you. And just being able to have those people around you that want to see you succeed, but also vice versa. And you're right. It's knowing the finances, knowing all of the ins and outs of avoiding the headaches that you might get if you don't look at it. But, you know, I mean, I jumped in too. Like a lot of people jump in and they're like, I'll figure it out on the way down. Hopefully. I've got (laughs) got one more that I thought of. Um, Yeah. The the other thing that I've done really my whole career, even Mm -hmm. before entrepreneurship, is the customer service piece Mm. and being personable and never burning bridges. And, you know, even people that, treat me poorly, I don't turn around and treat them poorly. I, I take the approach of, of, you know, I I don't, I don't mind if people don't like me for a certain reason. I am completely open. I'm collaborative. I support and even work with my competition. A lot of my competitors in the industry I'm in now hire me to help them. And I, I do it. And then they turn around and hire me again, you know? So I have seen so many companies go spiral downward because they took the approach of we're not going to collaborate we want we want all the work we're going to compete with you they're very closed minded yeah. and seeing the seeing what being a authentic person has done mm-hmm. for me over the years yeah. it has kept those relationships so when you do get a client you treat them well you respond quickly you find out how you can support you give a little more than they expected that is that type of customer service will land you a lifetime client. Yes. I think that's so key. And just being able to collaborate and being able to know that we can help each other. It's not just one way. It's not like, okay, well, this is taking away from business or anything, but it's the relationships. And I think that is like everything. I know that's something that's so sacred to me as well, but I know a lot of people listening as well, like the, just being able to create community, but create authentic, real, genuine relationships, because you just never know. And it's being able to be there for them. Maybe like it has nothing to do with business, but just hearing them out if they're going through something and being able to share a couple notes of wisdom or something like that. But you just never know the impact we can really make if we're just our true authentic selves. And I love that you said that because I think it's so important. Yeah. Speaking of relationships, I know you're a husband and a father to a few little ones. Um, how has parenthood and being a husband and family and life, how have you been able to integrate everything with entrepreneurship as well? Yeah, super easy, you know, uh, just, no, okay, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you're the first person to say that. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, to me, it has been easy. Um, and yeah, I guess the current update. So I've been married 12 years and I have four kids and I am 31 years old. Um, and I started business six years ago. So right in the middle of marriage, two more kids since starting, you know, there's so newborn time off their travel. It has been a lot. Um, and this is something that I, uh, I kind of, 
I guess have done some naturally, but I also have heard other successful people talk about, and I really started implementing this for me. And one person I, I enjoy following um, is Jesse Itzler. He, mm. he talks about this a lot as well as that question that comes up of how do you handle the balance of, of business and life and entrepreneurship? And really, I like how he says it, where he's like, he basically says, you can't, there's no such thing as balance. Yeah. Um, but I think what you can do is be mega present and, and put your attention fully into what it is you're doing whenever you're doing it. So, um, you know, when I, when I'm at, I get up early, I come to work, I work really hard throughout the day, but I always, I always get off at, unless there's a spec, special circumstance or meeting or something, I always get off at 4.30 PM. I go home and, you know, I start spending time with the family and dinner and evening routines and all that. And sometimes I'll even work in the evening. And I, I have those different time frames of like, you know, I'm not going to work 24 seven. I'm not going to stay at the office. And even if I go home, I can work some more in the evening. Um, so trying to put some schedules together that you can, you can try to stick to that you are, you think are realistic. Um, and I think the other big piece when it comes to building a business and having a family is, is being on the same page, you know, with your spouse and, and what your goals are as a family. And, um, is the, is the early sacrifice sometimes in building a business and entrepreneurship, is it, is it worthwhile for what you guys want as a long-term goal? Um, I think those are a few, uh, a few of the things I would say, uh, really, really being present where you are. And, um, because I think sometimes people look at just the amount of time that you spend, yeah. but also, you know, there's people that they have the time and they still don't really, really dig in to what it is they're doing. They're kind of like, they float through it. Um, yeah. I think if you, if you are very intentional with the time that you spend, um, that makes a big difference. I couldn't agree more. Time is of the essence, but being able to really prioritize that. And that's what I'm hearing you say too. It's like where your energy needs to go, but also being on the same page as your partner, your spouse, your partner, and in anything capacity, but also for your children as well. But knowing that you're doing everything you can to create that environment as well, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. It's super easy. <laughs> super easy just, just listen wise words right it. here by Matthew <laughs> um, well and I, I will say one more note on that yeah. though I think that um, that actually leads to another thing I was talking about the other day is that entrepreneurship and building something successful and really wanting to put your all into something it takes a few things it takes being willing to be uncomfortable yeah because <laughs> That's not easy. It's sometimes it's uncomfortable to not get as much sleep or to wake up early or to have to go from work to a sport, to a kids, to the marriage, to the, you know, it's a lot of, it is a lot of work. Um, and because you have to be willing to be uncomfortable and you also have to be willing to make certain sacrifices. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, I don't have the time to, you know, spend at work and build a business and run a family. It's like, okay, well, let's dig into what, what does your day look like? Yeah. What time are you waking up? Uh, eight o'clock. And, uh, what are you doing when you get home in the evening? Uh, usually we watch Netflix and we, you know, okay, well, if you actually evaluate yourself and you do want to build something, you have to start, you have to look at, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to make certain sacrifices of things that you don't really need or don't prioritize for things that will, uh, lean toward your goals. Um, and the other one is 
you you're going to take steps that are risky. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna have to know, like we talked about earlier, that some of these steps are risky and you're gonna see certain failures. You're gonna hit roadblocks. Um, as much as we try to balance our time, there may be times that you do spend too much at work or, or not enough. Um, and you just have to continually evaluate and, and make shifts. That's what it's about, really being able to understand too where your time is going, but the shifts are pivotal and, you know, different seasons of different times in our lives where maybe there's a newborn. So there's going to be a little bit more time with family versus there's a bigger client. So you're going to be focusing yep. a little bit more on that. So it's really just understanding too. And I, I love that you brought that up and kind of merged it beautifully together of just understanding where you're at, but being present with that and being very intentional at that time and where it's going. And I think it's so important and it's hard to do sometimes, but like you said, you know, you have to push through at certain points. Other times it's okay. You can step back for a second, but it's regulating that for you because everyone's different, but I love how you've been able to do it because having four children, marriage and running a successful business, multiple, but being able to do that is really key of just understanding what works for you and your family. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's different. Re- yeah. You know, needs are different. Um, and I think everybody knows the saying of like, there's a season for everything mm-hmm. and that, you know, <laughs> that goes for business that goes for entrepreneurship that goes for marriage that goes for kids. It's there's going to be those ups and downs. And, um, a lot of people try to step into entrepreneurship or starting a business with the wrong mindset of, of, I thought I was going to have more flexibility. I thought I was going to get to do my four hour work week and, uh, you know, sit on the beach and you're like, Uh no entrepreneurship. If you also look at the other quotes that are more realistic, it's I'd rather work 80 hours for myself than 40 hours for someone else, especially in the early years, Mm -hmm. you're going to be working a lot if you actually want to grow something. And the goal is that as it becomes successful later, your team is working, your people are in place, the processes are there, it's profitable. And now you have the flexibility to say, okay, I'm going to take a month off and go on vacation and I'll come back and dig in again. And, but you can't think that that's going to be early on. No, no. Some people do and they learn quickly. Yeah. I learned quickly. (laughs) It happens. You know, it does, but awareness is key. (laughs) Oh, I've been so enjoying this conversation, Matthew, but we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. I'm ready. Rapid fire. Let's go. (laughs) Um, What motivates you to work smarter? Ooh, motivation to work smarter. I think my initial answer to that would be the fact that I have so, even as much as I've done so far and what we're doing now, Mm-hmm. I still have so many ideas and so many things I want to do and additional businesses to grow and more people to help. So by working smarter, uh, I think I can get there faster because we can, we can improve processes that are in place. So that'd be my driver. I like it. I think that's important. The ideas just flow, you know, I think it's an entrepreneur thing. <laughs> it is. Once you get started, uh, I hear it's like tattoos or something else, you know, once you, <laughs> once you get in and you, you build a business and you start figuring out how it works and it, and it's working, you're like, oh, I'm never going to stop. Like I'm oh, going to, yes. I have, it's just going to keep going. <laughs> I know the ideas just flow, you know, even I've pivoted so many times. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm do this now. Um, but what, if you were to share a meal with four individuals living or dead, who would mm. it be? Oh, I have actually, I've thought about this one before. Um, <laughs> so one of them, I, I have a book behind me. Um, <laughs> one, and I actually mentioned it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse Itzler, 
would mm-hmm. be one. And actually his wife as well, which is Sarah Blakely, the mm-hmm. founder yeah. of Spanx. So they, they together as a family are awesome. I love, I, if you do, if, if nobody follows them, you have to follow them. Um, they are, they have been someone fun to watch in, similar in a role that I am in. And I, I love watching because they're two mega successful people. They spend a lot of time together as a family and they have four kids. And mm-hmm. so they're very active on like behind the scenes, filming what they're doing and the lifestyle. And, and so, um, I would love to, to sit with Jesse Itzler and Sarah Blakely. And I think the other two people for me would be Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, mm-hmm. and I would have to probably have, um, Grant Cardone and Elon Musk arm wrestle over the last seat. <laughs> um, so I might say five people, but, and, and the reasons for those, um, Elon Musk for me, just as a, as a mega successful, um, technologist, somebody that's been in a very innovative position, um, Mm-hmm. taking us to space as a first private company, creating the first mega successful um, electrical vehicle company in the industries that I'm in with technology and construction and building and improving. Um, he would be a very interesting person for me to, to get to speak with. Um, the, uh, the reason for the other two, for Ver- Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone, um, at, through my entrepreneur journey, they have been people that I've really learned from in um, the side of the amount of action that it takes to build something and the benefits of social media and sales and kind of that whole process. And um, Gary Vaynerchuk is really who inspired me to start a podcast in the first place. And that's been a huge game changer for our business as well. And going to Grant Cardone's 10X conference is also what inspired me to put on my own conference, which also has been mega successful. And we've got our second one this year and it's, it literally has become one of my favorite things in business because as opposed to only doing a service and developing my clients, the, the ability to start building a community around it, the way that these individuals do, um, I've really, really enjoyed. So those would be my people. I'll read uh, Jesse Itzler, Sarah Blakely, Elon Musk, Gary V, Grant Cardone. Yeah. I want to come to that table. You can come too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> What a powerful team right there. <laughs> it is. There's some amazing people out there. There are. It's hard to choose sometimes, but we don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so what is the most daring thing you've ever done in your life? Oh, most daring thing I've ever done. Um, well, based on the conversation, I think I would say start a business. <laughs> um, yeah, that would definitely be the one. Um, and And again, I think it's one of those steps that, um, it is one of the most scary things that you can do. And most people are afraid to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, yet once you do it, you realize there's more than just working an eight to five job, you know, you, there, there is opportunity for people out there who are passionate and who have ideas or have something they love to do, um, so it's something I love encouraging people to look, look more at. Mm-hmm. I think that's wise words. And what is the last book that you've read or listened to? Ah, that actually is one of them that's behind me. It's one of Jesse Itzler's books. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't heard of it, Living with a Seal. Oh, so 
this is the story of Jesse Itzler inviting David Goggins to live in his house. And uh, he basically mm -hmm. agrees that he would do it for a certain amount of time if he did absolutely everything that he does and says to do. Very entertaining. Um, I have the physical book, but I listen to the audio book as well. Uh, definitely a recommend for people. Mm, I got to check that out. I haven't heard of that. I love him and Sarah, but yeah, I'll yeah, check his, that out now. <laughs> he has a couple others, um, but that is that right now is my, my favorite. Oh, that's a good one. Well, Matthew, where can people find you, your services? We're going to link everything below in the description, but if you could let us know too. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, on the services side, uh, our company is called Nexus 3D. So our website is nexus3d.com. And the part that I'm very passionate about right now around building our community with our podcasts and conference and education, that's actually called Reality Capture Network. And that's realitycapturenetwork.com. But the one place I am most active, no matter what I'm doing, is LinkedIn. And so I'm, I'm definitely happy to connect with people there, as well as share some feedback on how I've used LinkedIn to build. A lot of people ask questions once they get started. So do you have any tips on LinkedIn before I let you go? All right. LinkedIn <laughs> tip number one. Um, I would say the one thing that most people don't do is they are not proactive enough in engaging and, and connecting with people in their community. Um, yeah. LinkedIn historically has been like, it, it says, you know, connect with people that you've met and know. And it's like, no, this is an amazing networking platform. I'm going to connect with people I don't know because that's <laughs> my goal. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I think differentiates LinkedIn from some other platforms is that you can go in the search feature and depending on the type of business you have, I'll use mine as an example. If mm -hmm. I'm working for an architect, then mm -hmm. I can go in the search feature and I can search for architects and mm -hmm. I can even search for architects in my city or in my state or wherever I want. I can get a whole list of architects to start reaching out to and sending a message and kind of building some relation with. And the one other note I'll leave, that's number one. And I think people just have to be more proactive on connections. Number two is that many businesses, when it comes to their brand, their marketing process, they really push sales too much as opposed to giving, educating, actually providing value to the people you're connecting with. Nobody wants the guy calling about your car warranty insurance is expiring and no, but if you actually genuinely connect and give, and that's one thing that I think people can really learn if they don't already follow Gary Vaynerchuk. That's yeah. another thing that he's been awesome about is like give, 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 give. And then maybe make an ask. But when yeah. you are willing to give, people are people want to know more. They see that you're not just salesy. So yeah. being proactive and connecting and educating and giving to people. Oh, well said. I love those. I think it's so true when it just comes down to just relationships, connecting, being genuine, yes. being yourself. But also I love Gary. I think he is phenomenal of just really giving so much information that's so tangible and you can really absorb it, but actually doing it too, implementing that. Yeah. And that's, that is, I think that's one of the keys too, that you said as well is the genuine piece though. Like yeah. if you see somebody that's connecting and messaging you and you can tell that it's not genuine, you can tell, you yeah. can tell. And if mm -hmm. you can, if you can actually understand 
being genuine, wanting the best for those people and, and actually wanting to help them, it, it comes across, it comes across totally different. Um, and you will, you will see benefit down the road, but you don't need to think about how it benefits you in day one of connecting with someone. That genuine yeah. piece of giving is I think key. Mm. I just had to have a moment of silence for that one. <laughs> but Matthew, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I feel like you are such a wealth of knowledge and just really giving so much today and all the value you always have provided on Clubhouse and other places and platforms. But make sure to connect with Matthew. I just so appreciate you coming on and just sharing everything you did today and all the things you're up to in this world and making it a better place in the technology world, but also at home too. So thank you so much for coming on today. Of course, thank you for having me and thank you for continuing to share and inspire others on their journey. Thank you. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Matthew today? I'm sure he would love to see your comment as well. And we will see you on the next video.